0: With Jesus, we are always fully loved, fully accepted, completely held, and always invited in.
1: Lisa Turkhurst reflecting on the acceptance that you can find in God. And you'll hear more from her on today's Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. Uh,
2: There's one thing we want you to hear today, and I know this is true for Lisa as well. Um, God loves you. And uh, sometimes we lose that perspective because things aren't going right, relationships aren't going right, and we get lost in the weeds and we don't feel the love of God, even though it's consistent, persistent, ever-present. And we are going to talk about God's love for us today. Lisa, let's not hold back. You are an infamous Blogger. Infamous. How about that? Infamous. I mean, you have like 2 million, 3 million, 18 million. How many million women are following you today? A few. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a lot. It is. Why do you think uh, there's that attraction to your words and your uh, expression of your faith? What is drawing, particularly women, to you?
0: Great question. Um, you know, I think a big part of it is I'm very vulnerable with the brokenness of life just the reality is we're all broken people and uh People can identify with someone's brokenness. So, when I write from that perspective, everybody can identify with hurts and failures and shortcomings and inadequacies. Everybody can identify that. Not everybody can identify from your point of strength, you know? So, I don't write from my point of strength. Um, I write from my point of failure, weakness, hurts, heartbreaks, and certainly with this book, writing from my own struggle with rejection. So, if you want to know what I struggle, with. You can look at the titles of my books. (laughs) Well,
2: this one is Uninvited, which is not a warm title. What were you expressing there? What are you trying to get across in Uninvited?
0: Well, I think in today's social media driven world where so many of our relationships have some kind of presence on social media. I think a lot of us are walking around having looked at social media first thing in the morning and getting this feeling of being a little bit left out, a little bit lonely, a little bit less than. It seems like everybody's house is a little better decorated than yours. Everybody else's marriage is a little more romantic than yours. Everybody else's kids are more put together and successful than yours. And so it can sort of develop within us this feeling of extreme inadequacy, not something we talk about publicly, but something we certainly deal with privately. So the point of titling the book Uninvited is um, that's really the essence of what rejection is. It's what it, it
2: feels it, like.
0: It, it's what it feels like. And yeah. so, um, but here's the hope of the book is that when someone finishes reading Uninvited, I'm going to encourage them to get a black Sharpie marker and cross <laughs> out the UN on the book title. So then they will understand that with Jesus, we are always fully loved, fully accepted, completely held, and always invited in.
2: That's a great point. Uh, Let me ask you this, social media seems to be your forte. You're a speaker, an author, but social media, you're communicating every day with literally millions of people, and that's outstanding. I read something about the loneliness index. It came out a, a couple of months ago, but it said basically uh, the loneliness index has gone up 20% over the last couple of years. So even though we're more connected digitally, we have communication occurring, it seems people are m- more lonely than they used to be. How come that's happening?
0: Well, I think there's several reasons for that. But one thing is the ability to filter the hardship of life out of our social media. You know, think about so it's it this only way. It's see. only the best stuff you see. It's only the best stuff from everybody else's life that you see. And so when you start feeling like everybody else is more than and you are less than, you start to pull away from deep, heartfelt connections with other people. That creates loneliness. You know, you don't have to be alone to be lonely. My loneliest times sometimes are when I'm in a room full of people, and everyone is talking, but there's some sense deep inside of me that I don't belong, or that I'm not part of whatever club they're part of, or I'm, I don't have the same inside jokes everyone else, and the worst feeling to me is when you're alone in a crowded room.
2: Well, you, in fact, there was a story in the book that I found funny, really. It's where you went to a dinner, a banquet. <laughs> And you ended up at a table by yourself. That yes. had to feel really weird.
0: It, well, it's awkward. I mean, let's just. <laughs> Why were you
2: by yourself at okay. a big table?
0: Uh, that is such a great question. <laughs> uh, so what happened is I walked into the dinner and I was so excited because so it's a banquet. It's a banquet, a full of leaders. So I fully expected to go, these are my people, like, I'm going to be able to sit, we're going to swap stories, we're going to talk heart to heart, we're going to share our challenges, our successes, our failures, like, this is going to be awesome. I crave time with people who are living the same kind of life as I am. So I was really excited about this banquet. I walked in and I walked to a table where a bunch of people I knew were sitting and there were name plates. So I walked around that table and my name card wasn't there. I walked around another table, another table. And finally, in the back The room. I finally found my name. Now that's awkward in and of itself. When you're walking around, you You can't. You spent a lot of time looking. Yes, where you're supposed to sit. So I sit down, and I didn't recognize the other people who were assigned to my table. And I don't know what happened to them. It's just they didn't show up. And so the banquet starts, and there I sit at a table meant for ten people, and I'm the only person. And I guess other people didn't really feel the freedom to get up and come and sit with me because we had assigned seats. Uh. And so there I sat at a table <laughs> all by myself. Yeah. And so I had a choice to make when I was sitting there and of course I felt awkward. I felt uh you can just imagine like how you would feel, you know. Of course I had a basket of 10 rolls so I'm like <laughs> I that self. was the happy side of <laughs> that. That was the happy, si- I, I was happy <laughs> side. It's like, I don't have to share the rolls with anybody. Oh, and desserts were already laid out too. Oh, so perfect. it's like, but I, I really challenged myself as that. Okay, Lisa, you can sit here and try to fill this emptiness with all the extra rolls and desserts <laughs> and, and having a little pity party for yourself. Or you can decide to see this as a time where the Lord himself wants to be Right here beside you. And if you were distracted in conversation with nine other people sitting at your table, you wouldn't be so desperate to have a conversation with the Lord. So it's your choice. You know, you can look at this as being set aside, or you can choose to see it as God's opportunity to set you apart. Ah. And so it really wasn't about me surviving the banquet, it was about (laughs) me developing a mindset. Lisa, there are always going to be moments like this in your life, you know? And you have to make the choice to understand that God has your best interest in mind.
2: Let me ask you this, because sometimes, um, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but sometimes we can be overly sensitive. I mean, that could actually break somebody emotionally. Mm-hmm. You, they, You overplay it. In other words, nobody wants to come sit with me. Nobody wants to talk to me. Um, you might be a mom at a park on a play day and you're at the bench and there's other moms there, but nobody's approaching you. Um, how does a person rise above that kind of negative self-talk and get into a better place where, you know, just relax. It's not, it's not about you.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, I want to normalize the negative self-talk. We all do it. It, What does it sound like? Well, for me, I don't know what it sounds like in your head, but (laughs) in my head, it sounds like, of course, you know, of course you're alone. You're always alone. Of Uh course, no one wants to talk to you because, you know, you you talk too much at the table or you're uh you know this is just the theme of your life lisa you know your dad didn't want you uh that boyfriend in college didn't want you so why would it be any different today wow that's
2: big stuff
0: it is big stuff but i want to say it maybe your dialogue is different but everyone has this everyone has in the core of who they are Uh, this feeling of, do I really measure up? Do I really have what it takes? All of us ask that question. Now, we're not... Typically, in day-to-day conversation, that vulnerable with one another, but we all have that. And so, first of all, I want to say, if you have that negative self-talk, don't beat yourself up for having it. It's normal. Hmm. But here's how you overcome it, is making the decision that it's not your circumstances that determine whether or not you're worthy. Amen. It is the truth of who God says you are. And God says, you are are valuable you are wanted you know before we were even here just the very thought of us made god explode with extreme joy and say yes the thought of jim daly that's a very good thought
2: (laughs) that doesn't feel comfortable actually so he allowed
0: uh, you to be here out of the millions of combinations of Mm -hmm. all the cells that had to come together to create you god made sure that he formed you, the very thought of you, made his heart explode with joy. And so, you know, not to over-spiritualize it, but but I have to say to myself, instead of looking at this moment as something to feed that negative self-talk, I've got to look at this moment as my opportunity to bring the fullness of God into the space that I'm walking in. So that night, I had a choice. I could sit there and say, woe is me, no one wants me, or I could say, you know what, there are about 99% of other people here, whether they're seated alone or seated at a table with other people, who also have these same struggles. Mm. So I'm going to walk into this room, and I'm going to bring the love of God with me. I'm going to bring the acceptance. I'm going to look around the room. I'm going to find somebody who I discern needs an encouraging word. I'm going to get my butt up off my chair and I'm gonna walk over to that person, even if they're at a table with 10 people. I'm gonna walk up to them and I'm gonna go, you know what, I was just sitting here and I was looking around the room, had some extra time to really focus on other people, and I noticed you and I just want to huh. say I don't know what you're going through right now but yeah. God made sure to send a message from me to you to say he loves you he's crazy about you. Know, you know
2: that's so good because when I've done that um it makes me feel better too. It just does. noticing others it is the love of God in our heart. So often, though, we suppress it with more of our fleshly attitude of being down in the dumps. Another funny story you had, which I totally related to, was when you left your briefcase or a suitcase outside a car and you started just beating yourself up. I think I had that exact same conversation to myself, but describe it.
0: So I had been speaking at a conference and... It was one where when the car pulled up to take me to the airport, there was lots of chaos. And so I wasn't paying attention to the details. And I assumed that the driver had put my luggage in the back of my car. So we get all the way, 30 minutes away from the venue where I was at. We pull up. I hop out. I ask him to pop the back trunk. And he says, why? And I said, oh, I got to get my luggage out. And he was like, there's no luggage in the back. So there I'm at the airport (laughs) and I have no luggage. And so I quickly call someone on my cell phone that was still at the venue. Can you please send someone over here to get my luggage? But I recognized that my timing was very short. So there was a great chance I was going to miss my flight if they didn't really go fast and get my luggage there quickly so i'm standing on the sidewalk outside of the airport and i'm speaking to myself and i'm just saying out loud out loud i'm like ah lisa you're such an idiot you know why don't you pay attention i mean you're (laughs) always doing stuff like this so i'm saying all of this and all of a sudden one of the guys who's working at the outside check-in counter for an airline he walks up to me and he puts his hand up and he says absolutely not and I, it shocked me so much. A stranger. I, a stranger. He said, absolutely not. I will not allow you to talk about yourself in that way. Not in my presence. Wow. Not in my presence. That was and like I a thought, God figure. I thought, are you an angel? And then he said a cuss word. And I thought, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, he's probably not an angel. Or it would be but my luck I'd have heart. a cussing angel. Right? <laughs> but, he, but he had that, a good heart. For heaven's sakes. he had such a good heart. And you know, it really wasn't the luggage guy at the airport that was saying those words to me mm. it was really i feel like a message from god himself saying lisa not in my presence will you talk about yourself this way mm. you see every day we have a choice we can bring the fullness of our self which is insecurities and we can let our insecurities be the first thing that walks into any situation or we can bring the fullness of god who brings with him all security who brings, with like if we walk into a room bringing the fullness of God, we're freed up to see and love other people.
1: Mm-hmm. And Lisa, I'm identifying with you because just a couple of weeks ago, I got all the way through security. I got to my gate and I realized <laughs> I left my laptop on a conference room table at a hotel. Mm. And it's so easy to beat myself up for that. Um, where in scripture are you seeing that God doesn't join me in beating me up for that kind of Stupidity or forgetfulness. I mean, it, there's there's encouragement in the scripture. Or how about
2: for your 13 year old?
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think the entirety of God's message to us in scripture. One of my favorite places to turn, though, is Psalms, where, you know, we are reassured over and over and over. Uh, many of the Psalms were written by David, who happens to be hmm. very featured in my book, Uninvited, because if you look at one of the first stories we ever hear about David, David. It's when his father, Jesse, was asked by the prophet Samuel to invite all of his sons to come and stand before him. And from his sons, from his group of family, that uh, Samuel would anoint the next king. And Jesse invited in all of his sons except David. And so David very much knows what it feels like from an early age and from a man who's supposed to love him with great depth and that's his father you know David knew what it was like to feel rejected by by his dad and that's really painful so when David pin so many of the Psalms. He's so brutally honest in how he feels about his circumstance, but he calls things to mind. And one of the biggest things that he calls to mind is not the rejections of his past, but the love of God who is very, very present. Mm -hmm. So for me, a lot of times when I'm feeling those desperate feelings of being rejected or being left out or feeling lonely, I open up the Psalms, especially the ones penned by David, and I let the reality of his honesty seep deep into my heart and watch how he turns from feeling rejected to feeling completely loved and accepted by God.
2: Uh, Lisa, let me ask you this, Uh, that self-rejection occurs, and you've described that adequately and the the way we beat ourselves up with negative self-talk. There's also the rejection from another person Mm -hmm. that's real. Mm -hmm. You know, the friend that used to be a friend, but for some reason they don't return the calls anymore or whatever it might be. How do you counsel a person to manage that when it's real, it's formidable, and there's something that you've done that has pushed somebody away and you don't even know what it is maybe?
0: Right. Well, I wrote in the book, rejection steals the best of who I am by reinforcing the worst that's been said to me. So what often happens is when someone has given you a line of rejection. So they have said to you, Jim, um, you're not cool enough to be my friend. Or a girl in high school maybe said to you one time, the famous line like, Jim, I think you're amazing. You're just not amazing for me. (laughs) How would you know that
2: happened?
0: (laughs) It's happened to so many of us, right? Or uh, whatever, you know, I mean, I I once had a guy in high school who I was just crazy about say, Lisa, you're a great friend, but I can't ever imagine you really being my girlfriend. And
2: you liked the guy. Yeah, and I liked him. And Mm. so
0: at the core of all of that is basically someone else saying, you're not good enough for me. Okay, so that is a line, L-I-N-E. That's a statement that they made, a line that they spoke into your life. Well, what happens is that line then eventually in your life, if it sinks in, and often those lines of rejection go straight to the core of who we are. It's more than an emotion we feel in the moment. It becomes something that goes from a line or a statement that they said to a lie we start to believe about ourselves, mm-hmm. then that lie that we believe about ourselves becomes a liability in every other relationship that we're in, including our relationship with God.
2: Right. And you're talking from experience because you touched on it a moment ago, but you mentioned uh, your you know, tough relationship with your father. Mm-hmm. Describe that and how that sets you on a certain path.
0: Well, my dad had his own issues of brokenness. And, you know, I can look back now and see that. But as a child, I didn't understand that it had his lack of love for me. I didn't understand as a child it had a lot more to do with him, a lot less to do with with me. Describe
2: the the environment so we can catch it. Because a lot of people... We'll share that environment with you.
0: Right. So one of my earliest memories of my dad is being about eight years old, and uh, my mom had gotten me a new dress for Easter. So I put this dress on, and I felt so pretty. And I thought, I think that tonight is the night that my daddy will actually notice me. So Mm. I walked out. You remember that. Oh, I remember it vividly. I walk out into the den. My dad was sitting in a recliner chair. He had a beer in one hand. He had a TV remote in his other hand. He was watching something on the TV. And I went and stood beside his chair. And my heart was just beating so fast, like, Daddy, please notice me. Daddy, tell me I'm beautiful. Daddy, tell me that you love me. And he never looked my way. So I did what any little girl would do to try to get attention in that moment. I started to twirl around and around and around. And um, he never looked at me. He never said anything that night. It didn't matter how many times I twirled around. You see, he was present physically, but he was absent emotionally. Right. And to a little girl, when a man is physically present, but emotionally absent, it creates a deep, hollow feeling inside of her heart wow. that creates almost this desperate feeling of, I've gotta find someone to tell me that I'm beautiful, that I'm noticed, and that I'm loved. And so for me, it set me on this path where I was so desperate to hear those words from a man, since I never heard them from my dad, that it kind of put me in this place of, of grabbing for scraps of love from other people. Huh. And um and we if we don't grasp the love of God in that hollow feeling, then we will always grab at scraps of love from other people. Wow, and, and they're that's never satisfying. And never satisfying.
2: Lisa, can I um press you a little bit in an area that some people might be thinking, and it may be temperament, I'm not even sure. But um can we really blame it just on our environment and our circumstances? Um, Can you be a little tougher? I don't want to sound mean-spirited, but some Mm -hmm. people who may not have that sensitivity don't even understand it. And I think for a large part, males are less oriented Mm -hmm. to really grabbing the impact of what happens in childhood, those things that you don't get emotionally, spiritually, the love that you don't feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have as much capacity, I think, and I'm being very generic. To understand it, I think women feel it far deeper and get it far better than men. And that may be why it has such a long impact on a little girl who becomes a woman Mm -hmm. who's looking for those scraps, as you described it.
0: Yeah, and I would say that... Uh, the gift to a woman who feels the pain a little bit deeper is when we feel the pain, we are much more motivated to heal the pain. You see, I think guys feel the pain too. It's just that we're. I can don't you mask think that, it, or yeah, I think that guys can um, fill it up temporarily with success, with performance, with. Um, Surface relationships, but there will come a time in your life Mm. uh, for every man where if you ever hear from your wife, I really wish you would be more tender with me. And I think a lot of guys hear this from their wife. What they're really, really, what the wife is really saying is, I wish you would open up the deep places of your heart to me. I wish you would bring your brokenness and vulnerability. Like if your wife ever says that to you, Jim, then what she's really saying is, Jim, you've got a broken place deep down in your heart, and I wish you would come to me and say, I'm afraid. I wish you would come Mm -hmm. to me and say, I'm heartbroken over something. I wish you would come to me and bring those vulnerable parts to your heart. Because I believe that every person, male or female, experiences rejection as a little person and wrestles with it the rest of their life. Mm. And if we don't allow those deep recesses of our heart to be open to the healing of God, then we're going to create surface relationships that don't ever get to that deep heart center place. And every woman longs for her husband to get there. Yeah.
2: Um, Lisa, I obviously want to say thanks for being here today, but I'm going to give you overnight to think about this question starting tomorrow, and we're going to start right here. And that is, given all the pain, given the rejection, why does God allow us to go through this? What is the purpose? So you think about it, and we'll start the program with your answer next time. Can Sounds we do it? Sounds
0: good. Yes. Okay.
2: And that concludes the first part of our conversation with Lisa Turkhurst.
1: And if what she's been talking about today has triggered some past wounds in your life, then let me encourage you to find a pastor or a counselor in your local area to talk with. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller.
3: I'm sure you'll agree that Lisa Turkhurst is a favorite guest on the program. She's always incredibly real and relatable. Uh, I loved that story of her at the dinner banquet, all alone, at a table, and choosing to view it as an opportunity to communicate with God instead of feeling insecure. Uh, How many of us would have been able to view it that way? (laughs) But she's right. We need to develop a mindset that understands. We'll definitely face these types of situations and we're going to need to look at them from a different perspective. Lisa's book, Uninvited, delves deeper into the issues she spoke about today as she shares her own deeply personal experiences with rejection. If you're thinking, this book is just what I need, then you can find it online at safamily.co.za Or give us a call on 031-716-3300 to order. Thanks for listening in to Focus on the Family today. I'm Alison Schnell inviting you to join us for the conclusion of our program with Lisa Turkhurst tomorrow when we will once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.